0: Good morning, everyone. It is so good to be back. Uh, Last week was not enjoyable. I did watch. It was a good time, uh, but not as fun as being here. So appreciate Jeff covering for me. That was great. And uh, I like it when he shoots from the hip. That's what he said he was doing anyway. And uh, I called him the night before because I wasn't sure if I was going to make it or not. And sure enough, the next morning I called and, and he was ready to go. And I don't know about you, but how many thought who were here last week that when uh, this old guy shoots from the hip, he shoots straight and he does a good job. Let's give it up for Jeff. (laughs) So I didn't notice that you told the bear story last week. Did you tell the bear story last week? Oh, Well, well, I saw a note up here about the bear story. So I was thinking, huh, interesting. Anyway, so I'm glad you're here. Alive, Lord, awake, and enthusiastic, so. Hey, I also, too, want to uh, greet all the moms in the audience, and I want to let you know that the scripture talks an awful lot about great moms. In fact, I'm going to go off script, and I want to read a scripture to you moms, and I'd hope that you take a look at it, because the Bible says, and there's a great poem that was written that says, the hand that rocks the cradle changes the world. The hand that rocks the cradle changes the world. Turn with me to the book of Second Timothy. This for all the moms out there that have labored so much and so hard uh, to invest themselves in raising up a godly offspring. You know, a mom is going to have influence regardless of the choices and decisions they make. But listen to these two moms. What an ask uh, um, to aspire to this. Beginning in verse. 3. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 3. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you Timothy in my prayers night and day longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. Now listen to verse 5. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I'm sure that it is in you as well. Now, I want to stop here for just a minute. You know, I want you to think for just a moment. When his grandmother, Lois, was gently caring for Eunice, her little baby girl, and investing in her every day the truths of God's word and loving her with the love of God, little did she know that her little girl would grow up to be this beautiful woman of God who would actually changed the heart and the mind of that little boy, Timothy. And if you know the power of Timothy, Timothy was was Paul's right-hand man. And he literally changed the world in lockstep with the Apostle Paul. And so, moms, I want you to know something, that it's such a blessing to have women who I know are investing themselves in their children. But I also want to let you know something else. If you're young and you don't have children yet, Or if you've chosen as a woman not to have children, you can still be a mom. You can still be a mom like Eunice and Lois. I don't want you to feel like because you've chosen not to have children or don't have children yet, I don't want you to think that you're any lesser. Because I have several ladies in my life who are my spiritual moms. And without them, I know I wouldn't be the man that I am today. My mother-in-law, I miss her terribly. I miss her probably as much as Sharon. I know Sharon misses her terribly. She loved me like no other woman that I know. And I'm not kidding when I say that. Well, my wife, but uh, I'm talking about an older woman. And I tell you what, if you said something bad about me and I wasn't around and, and Margaret was, You just ran into that mama bear that's going to rip you apart. And actually, that happened a couple times with folks. And so uh, I'll tell you what, moms, I so appreciate the investments that you have made over the years uh, in your children. So many of them are now children of the Lord. And so I praise God for that. And so I want to begin with a word of prayer for moms and, of course, for the lesson today. Let's pray. Our holy God in heaven you created the family in the Garden of Eden. and you know, though, Eve and Adam were not perfect, you know what? They began this great and wonderful and beautiful thing called family. And we know, Father, you don't make any mistakes. And yet, Father, you used that beautiful couple to begin the human race. And, and as, as we have grown over the years and the millennium, we've come to realize that That you are the one who created family, you created man and woman, you created husbands and wives and, and fathers and mothers. And Father, really everything about this life has to do with relationships and the most precious of all is the relationship of family. And really the sweetest one is the relationship between moms and their children. I've seen it over and over and over again in my home the beauty of that relationship. Father, I pray you'll bless all of the ladies today. Bless them, Father, in understanding that they can be amazing moms serving you by serving others, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let's begin with uh, our words of encouragement this morning. And uh, the first one right of the shoot is uh, a young man that many, 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 many years ago used to hang around here. And it says, Ian Johnson, it warms my heart to see you. So give it up for Ian Johnson. Woo-hoo! It is great to see you. I didn't recognize you with all the facial fur. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I remember a day when you were a little squeaky guy. Hi! <laughs> Sorry, see, but you've grown up. Okay, McKinney family. It is so very encouraging to see you here in person. Fellowshipping with God's people transforms lives. Praying for you always. Amen. It was great to see you this morning. All right. I love this one. Jacob, your message was amazing. Tie. <laughs> Let's give it up for Jake for, uh, for uh, pinch hitting for his brother. <clears throat> Mr. Logan, thank you for helping with prayer cards. Braxton, there you go. Now, you know what? Yeah, to screw it up for love. You know what's really cool is, uh, is when little ones are seeing even the little acts of service as being valuable. How old are you, Braxton? How old are you? I can't see it. My glasses aren't very good. Eight years old. Eight years old. I remember when I was eight years old, there was only one person in the world, and it was me. Thanks, Braxton, for seeing other people. That's awesome. Mr. Jacob, I like it when you lead us in prayer from Max. There you go. You have a a fan club, man. All right. Here we go. I've been saving these. Uh, One day, one weekend you were gone and one weekend I was sick. So I've been saving these. So here we go. Some of you might have missed uh, a young preacher. His debut was a couple, three weeks ago. Boston, you want to stand up? These are for Lawson. You may sit down, but let's, let's uh, hear all that people had to say. Lawson, awesome job with your lesson. Love the heart you have for God. I think your first lesson was longer than mine. <laughs> I kind of know who this one was. Keep growing your love for God. It was great. It was an awesome lesson. All right, Lawson, thank you for your lesson today. May God give you much spiritual profit. And uh, it was was on the proverb, all hard work brings a profit. Mere talk leads only to poverty. He did a great job. Lawson, thank you for preaching today. You did a fantastic job. I look forward to hearing more from you. So proud of you. Uh Uh-oh, sounds like we're going to have to have you up here again. Are you ready? (laughs) Let's give it up for Lawson. Lawson, how old are you? Ten. Okay, at 10 years old, I was playing in the dirt and throwing dirt clods at people. That was my expert. Yeah, see? All right, Lawson, that's great. I'm sure you're doing that too, but you're also preaching the word of God. It's awesome. It's great. Okay. Well, let's turn in your bulletins real quick and just uh, want to highlight some things here. Uh, Our family fellowship dinner is next Wednesday evening, and uh, we're going to have it at the Compton Homestead. So we invite out six o'clock for dinner, seven o'clock for the lesson. Uh, As you well know, in the month of May, our uh, Wednesday evenings and our Sunday evening assemblies are at the Parks Homestead. So uh, Kirk and Melissa Parks are hosting the Sunday and Wednesday evening assemblies. And yes? I'm sorry, you said next Wednesday? That says the 18th, that would be two Wednesdays. Oh, is that right? The, the third, yeah, the third, the third, the third Wednesday. How's that sound? The third yeah, Wednesday. Thank fine. you. Thank I you. To, I'd be one that would show up at your house next Wednesday. Well, we, we have dinner for you, man. It would be great, <laughs> but no one would be there. <laughs> Thank you. The 18th. The 18th. And then uh, I want to encourage everybody to consider to come to the G4 Summit. If you're a guy, we're going to do it back up there. Up by uh, what is it? The tumblebug fire. Beautiful river there. Beautiful campground. Great time. And uh, it's fun to have guys from all over the country come up and and preach and teach and do the guy thing. So hopefully you can make it. Any other announcements I might have missed? Yes. So the front lawn trenches aren't quite backfilled all the way. So if you're walking out there, just don't trip on them because they're they're tripping hazards. And you'll probably sink in the mud too. That too. <laughs> <laughs> Michael and crew put uh, a sprinkler system in for our lawn. Woohoo! Thank you, Michael. I am thankful to my bosses because it does technically violate my non-competition agreement, but um, <laughs> Brian, uh, Brian O'Mara with uh, Curbside Landscaping is who installed. Sweet. The- sweet. The- <laughs> well, we appreciate it a lot. It looks—it's gonna look great once the grass comes back in in the ditches. So it's good stuff. That's great. Okay. All right, I think we're ready. Any other announcements? It's great to see a lot of wonderful visitors here this morning. Is it Pennsylvania, correct? There you go, all the way from Pennsylvania. Is it Newburgh, Oregon? Yamhill, just a stone's throw away, right? Yamhill, Oregon. It's great to have you folks today. So let's go ahead and grab our Bibles. We're going to be in earnest now in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 7. Second Timothy, chapter one, beginning in verse seven, speaking about the young man, Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of his prisoner or me, his prisoner, uh, but join me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I entrusted to him until that day. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy on the house of Onisorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. The Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know very well what services he rendered At Ephesus. Now, I want to ask you a question here. Can you place yourself into the federal prison system in solitary confinement on death row? Can you mentally put yourself there? Well, just try for a moment. If you were in a federal penitentiary on death row, not because you've committed some heinous. Act, but rather you have been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and was one of the leaders of the Christian movement in this generation. That's hard for us to put our minds in that place. Unless you've been in a federal prison, it's hard for you to to put yourself there. But I want you to think about the Apostle Paul in this letter. That's exactly where he's at. He's in a prison in the capital city of Rome. He's been imprisoned by the emperor Nero because he's exterminating the church. And he figured the best way to really get it done is to get the leaders of the church. And so the apostle Paul, this is his last letter he ever wrote. He wrote it from that Roman prison in the city of Rome. Now, many of you know that he was in prison a lot. This wasn't his first rodeo, as it might be said, but this was going to be his last. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were on death row, if I didn't have a total and complete knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and believe that what he has said is true and trust him implicitly, I'm not sure if I could write a letter like this. This letter is an absolutely amazing letter. It all has to do with trust. How much do you trust God? Scott did a good job this morning in Bible class, helping us to understand that no matter what the situation or circumstance, we can rejoice because God is sovereign and in control. So we don't know what our future holds. We really don't. You know, when I immersed Nicole into Christ, or when I led her to be immersed into Christ, we studied for two years and then the war broke out in Ukraine. And now she's running for her life. Running and hiding, running and hiding because the Russian troops continue to come in and decimate cities. We never would have thought in a million years when I started my relationship of studies with her actually over two years ago that she would be in this life situation. We don't know what the future holds, do we? We don't know what the United States future holds. We really don't. And the person who says they do they're sorely mistaken. So it's important for us to learn to trust, believe, and know that God is and he's a rewarder of those who will consistently and diligently seek him. So I want to take a look this morning at the three ashamed, be unashamed, have no shame, as it were, as a Christian, no matter what the future holds. And so take a look, if you would, at your your note sheets in that first page, first point. The three unashamed trust in him. Paul calls Timothy to be unashamed. That's the first one. It's It's a word of exhortation. Timothy, be unashamed. Look at the second one. It's found in verse 12. It's a word of affirmation. The apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed. Even though he's in this terrible situation and facing imminent death for what preaching the gospel and he hasn't stopped preaching he's still preaching to the guards in that federal or national prison and then finally he uses an example an illustration of someone who's so courageous so unashamed of his faith he's willing to go to that federal prison and Nero the emperor was looking for Christians to exterminate them. He had such confidence and trust in the Lord Jesus that he went to find the Apostle Paul and visited him in prison and comforted him in prison. I don't know about you, but talk about knowing God's sovereignty and power and believing it so much so that you're going to trust him to go right into the lion's den to minister to the one who's in there on death row, and then for you to be on death row, to encourage a younger man, to remain faithful, to be unashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. We need that kind of trust. What's the theme of this year? The fifth law of spiritual momentum, the power of trust. Could you be in that life situation And have that kind of power to encourage others who are not yet incarcerated. To be strong in yourself. To continue to write a letter of encouragement to your last breath. And then to use someone who has come and put his own life in jeopardy. Could you do that? The Apostle Paul did. You're saying, well that was the Apostle Paul. He had so much more going on for him. You know what? He really didn't. He started on the wrong side of the track. And he did a 180 degree turn and gave himself fully to serve the Lord Jesus. Some of you, like myself, were on the 180 degrees on the wrong side of the track. I was basically deeply involved in all sorts of paganistic garbage. And it brought me to the end of my rope, as some of you heard before. But by the grace of God and a man named Forrest Reinhardt I was given a Bible and a word of encouragement. And it changed the whole trajectory of my life. I would have died within just a few weeks if God had not sent Forrest into my life. But Forrest was unashamed. And he was willing to share the love of Christ with me and the word of Christ with me. And as I invested myself in learning about Jesus, I'm here today as a preacher instead of a statistic that my mom and dad would have buried so many years ago. So important for us to recognize the power of knowing God, the power of believing in him and the power of trusting him so much so it changes your life and your investment in what is so important. So let's not be ashamed. Let's look at point number one. What does it mean to be ashamed, by the way? I want to share with you what that means. I've given you a little bit of room there to jot some things down. I looked up that Greek word for ashamed or to be shamed or feel shame. Here's what it means. To be ashamed is to feel shame, guilt, disgrace for something you've said or something you've done. You know what Paul said? He preached the gospel. You know what he did? He traveled all over and ministered to people's needs. He was unashamed of that, for he knew it was the right thing to do. You know, there's another part to this being ashamed, to feel embarrassed, inferior, unworthy, inadequate. I felt that way before, before I was a Christian. Pretty consistently felt inadequate. Pretty consistently was embarrassed, by my inability to do several different things when given challenges and difficulties. But here this man finds himself in a federal prison for doing the will of God, but he is unashamed. He is not embarrassed. He, he is not feeling like he's inadequate or unworthy or maybe God is doing this to him because he's done something wrong. He'd done nothing wrong. In fact, might I share with you the greatest opportunity for you to show the power of God's love is when you're in great turmoil and challenge and difficulty. Because if you're a selfish person, that's when the ugly self selfish person comes out. But if you're sacrificial and you love people, that's when you'll realize, I have to now invest myself more fully because I don't have much time left. That's what Paul was doing. He knew he didn't have much time left. He was writing feverishly. Several letters he wrote. Several churches he encouraged. Several young men and women he praised for their commitment to serve the Lord while facing the death sentence in just a short period of time. Is that power? That's power, man, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about power, and we're going to talk about purpose. And we're going to talk about the position that we've been given in Christ Jesus. And if not this morning, in, because of time, we'll finish it up next week. But you need to put yourself in this man's shoes to fully understand what it means to know, to believe, and to trust and the power of that position. Now, take a look. He exhorts, uh, oh, and by the way, one more thing about ashamed is to be reluctant through fear of humiliation or failure. How many of have ever pulled up a little bit short? because you weren't quite sure you had a little fear of oh i'm gonna blow it i'm gonna look stupid you know what the apostle paul once he realized that the lord jesus christ was the sovereign over all creation he didn't look back he kept pressing the mark and it didn't matter how many times the devil tried to stop him through the agencies of men he kept powering through is that who you are That's who we are to be. That's why this has been written for us, to see this powerful example. Well, the first word is the word of exhortation. Notice what it says there in verse 8. Paul says to the young preacher, Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Do not be ashamed of preaching the gospel. And he says here, of me, his prisoner. Timothy was timid. That's not a really good character quality for being a preacher, especially when things are going crazy in the world, right? Now that's going to kind of, just kind of squeak through life as a preacher. That doesn't work. See, that's why Paul says, be unashamed of preaching the gospel. It's the only thing that's going to rescue people out of this hopeless life. And of me, the reason I'm here is because i preached the gospel and over and over and over and over again, God has delivered me. And even if he doesn't deliver me now to my last breath, I'm going to serve him. Now, Timothy saw this letter. It was written to him. And he's thinking, wow, the apostle Paul in this terrible situation is writing to me. And he's thinking only of me. You know, he really was. Go back to what I just read a moment ago. Loved this young man. Remembered the tears shared between him. And here he's on death row. And he says, man, you can do this. You got this. Don't be, don't be ashamed. Be unashamed. You know, when I was in the hospital and I had the COVID, the Delta COVID, and, and when I first got in there, Sharon dropped me off and sitting in the waiting room. I mean, it was, it was pretty scary, you know. And we hadn't finished up our, our living trust. That was the worst thing about it, is I'm going to leave my family, potentially. And not have them secured, and unfortunately, that's where my mind was at the beginning. I'm just being honest now. If you're a if you're a man that has concern for his family, if you haven't provided at least those things, it's it's pretty crushing. So I got in there, and they put me in a in a in a I think it was a broom, a, room, a, a broom closet converted to a waiting room or something. It was terrible. And uh, they're always coming in and waking me up and poking and prodding me and giving me stuff and telling me how I was doing. What do you think I'm doing? <laughs> I got COVID. I can't breathe, okay? And the next night, I, I got a little bit bigger broom closet. That was cool. I had a broom closet with uh, somebody else who had COVID. That was exciting. But he got out. He got out. I mean, he got out of the broom closet. He got out of the hospital. And I'm thinking, hey, It's possible. And then I got a room with a view. And they finally left me alone. They stepped, stopped poking. and probably, I guess they put enough tubes and things in me. I guess they, I would, they were done. And I got some sleep. I'm thinking, what am I doing? And you know what came to my mind on that third day? The Apostle Paul was in prison. And he wasn't moaning and groaning. What was he doing? He was writing letters to people. So you know what I did? got up and I started texting everybody, sending that word of encouragement. And then I was writing some pretty heavy-duty lessons that I brought when I when I got out, of, got out of the hospital. By the grace of God, it was three days later. I was determined that if it was God's will, I'm walking out of here. And by the grace of God, he delivered me. And I'm very thankful for that. When the doctor first saw me, by the way, he said, I think we need to intubate you. You know what intubate means? Shove the tubes down your throat, the ventilators. First thing he said, nah, just, just, you know, give me some whatever and send me home. Let me, I'll go, go home to the Lord with my family. I can't do that. Okay, then you're getting me out of here, but not with a ventilator. So I have to share with you when I think about the Apostle Paul in this situation it seemed hopeless and yet he brought hope because what does he say here in verse 12? For this reason also I suffer these things but I'm not ashamed. Why? Because I know Christ Jesus. I believe Christ Jesus and I've entrusted my life to Christ Jesus. So every moment I get is a moment to serve him. And in my last breath I'll praise God and go home. And that's exactly what he did. Look it. He encourages the young man. He says, I'm living this to the very end. And he says, oh, by the way, the last not ashamed, the last not ashamed is Onesimus. Take a look there with me in verse uh, uh, chapter one, and I believe it's verse 16. Notice he says here, the Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesimus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and he found me. And he served me. All right, so I want to transition a little bit here. This Onisphorus was not ashamed, meaning he was not fearful or reluctant to visit and minister to Paul on death row. What drove him to do that? Listen to the word here, eager. He was eager. What does that mean? What does it mean to be eager? What does it mean to be enthusiastic? By the way, the word enthusiastic is a part of the word eager. And so I have in second point, what does it mean to be eager? What does it mean to be enthusiastic? Because we really need to know what that means. I don't know about you, but Onesimus was... Uh, Onesiphorus was eager to go into the lion's den to minister his brother in Christ. Paul was eager to preach the gospel. Oh, that reminds me. We need to turn to Romans chapter one. Turn with Romans chapter one here. Let me show you that Paul was excited, enthusiastic, and he was eager to preach the gospel in Rome where he would eventually end up in jail and then killed. Take a look. Romans in chapter 1, verse 15, 16, and 17. As for my part, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. (laughs) There's that word. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm eager. So we're either going to be ashamed of the gospel or we're going to be eager about the gospel. And you get to choose. Are you fearful and reluctant? Are you embarrassed? Or are you excited about the opportunity? That's a a personal choice that you and I make. And so take a look here. It says here, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Paul there says, I'm not ashamed. Paul there says, I'm eager to preach the gospel. Now the question is, are we? Are we eager to preach the gospel? What does that mean? If you want to take a couple notes there, I, I wanted to know what that meant. You know, I've, I've always said, I love looking at Romans chapter 1 and verse 15. I'm eager to preach the gospel. But I didn't really ever know what it meant. I just thought of it in the English terms instead of the Greek terms. Paul's thinking in Greek. I was thinking in English. Here's the Greek terms. <laughs> the word eager means to be forward in spirit. What? Forward in spirit? Well, let me ask you a question. Are you eager to go to work on Monday morning? He's saying that was rude, preacher. Use some other illustration. Are you eager to go to work on Monday morning? You no. Know, what's the What's the What's the answer for most people? Not us. It's them out there. It's out. They're all out there. Are you kidding me? Monday morning, man. I'm dragging myself into work, hoping that no one's there. And there's a sign that says, "Oh, no work today. Go home." like that's a reality are you eager to go in on Monday morning I know some of you received my word of encouragement good Monday morning exclamation point smiley face you're going what happened to that guy somebody gave him a lobotomy why is he so happy right but you know we can choose our attitude that forward spirit you know what? That's not the spirit of God. That forward spirit is your attitude. It's your mindset. I have to be honest with you. Monday mornings are tough because you come off in two days, some of us, two days where you're just like, ah, this life's good. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, everybody's in my face and asking me to do all this stuff. <laughs> when I was teaching MLM in Willamette High School, Monday mornings were the best. So are you kidding me? Kids would be dragging in there. I mean, we're talking dragging in there, you know, coming in. And I would start out kind of slow, and I'd build and build them. First period, kids said, don't get confident in first period. Man, he's on something, man. We don't know what it is, but he's on something, okay? But it's kind of cool because the kids realize, hey, you know what? I know that he's going to have something positive to say, and he's going to be an encouragement individually and collectively. And so I decided I want to be the light in their world. I, I want to bring the, the life of Jesus to their world on Monday morning and on Friday. Friday, everybody's checked out, right? <laughs> Monday's checked out for one reason and Friday they're checked out for another. But uh, I was going to bring the light, bring the heat, and I'm saying that intentionally, in the heat of the love of Christ to those young people. And some of them are here today in the audience with their beautiful families having become Christians. It's important for us to recognize then that no matter where you're at, the, your, your spirit, your mindset is critical. Are you eager? Oh, by the way, here's, here's what the other part of the Greek definition is. To be ready, willing, and able to manifest a cheerful, prompt attitude to act like Christ Jesus. To be ready, willing, and able to manifest a cheerful and prompt life of Christ Jesus. You're saying, are you kidding me? That's in the Greek. Sorry, I'm not kidding you. Check me out. It's there. Cheerful on Monday morning? Yes. Do you think Jesus was cheerful on Monday morning? Or did he get up on Monday morning going, You know, there's two kinds of people on Monday morning. There's two kinds of people on Monday morning, right? They say the same exact thing. They just say it with a different mindset. First one is, good Lord, it's morning. And the other one is, good Lord, yeah, it's morning. Now, which one are you going to choose? It really is a choice. What's your purpose? We're going to talk about power and purpose and your position in Christ Jesus next week. But you need to know that you have control over your attitude. And if you have a Christ like mindset, he went into the lion's den knowing that he had great opportunity to win souls. Now, let me close with this. The last one is enthusiasm. We'll finish this next week. The word enthusiasm how many have heard this statement? Enthusiasm is caught, not taught. I can't teach you enthusiasm, but let me give it a show. Try. This is an old English uh, definition of enthusiasm before they started to mess around with enthusiasm. Okay? The heat of imagination. Huh? That's, That's literally what we'll look at in the Greek. Heat of imagination. Hence, this heat of imagination brings excitement of mind in pursuit of some object or goal, inspiring confidence of success. Hence this same heat of imagination, when disciplined by thoughtful reason and experience, becomes a noble passion. Such as is enthusiasm of the poet, the orator, the painter, the sculptor, such is this enthusiasm of the patriot, the hero, and the Christian heated imagination. Man, Lord, what can I do today for you? You're saying, no one thinks that way. Don't say that. Jesus thought that way. Father, what can I do for you today? What can I do to make life better for other people? How can I set people free? How can I give them the the excitement of life? How can I give them the abundant life that you Gave to me to give to them. How can I do that today? I know people think that's unreal. It's not unreal. How many know that Jesus got tired? That Jesus got hungry? That Jesus got frustrated? Do you know Jesus got frustrated with people? How long am I going to have to put up with you guys? Remember, he said that? <laughs> See? How long? And yet, every day he went into the day full on going to change the way people see my father. I'm going to live it and speak it just like him. So people can see just how much my father and I love him. That's what we need to do for others with that mindset. Enthusiasm, the heat of imagination. Here's what it is in Greek. Greek. It literally means eagerness, a zeal for an idea or an activity that inspires us and draws us into service to God. Wow. Do you remember when you first became a Christian? I remember. Man, I was so excited. I mean, I was telling everybody. And everybody was asking, what's wrong with you? I was pretty Pretty rugged before I became a Christian. I mean, if I I saw you and and I was in a bad way, man, you would know it because I was going to tell you just how ugly and despicable and pathetic you were. And I would do it in kind of a really kind of funny, sarcastic way. But you know, sarcasm is a horribly efficient sword in slicing and dicing people. Amen? That's a terrible thing. That's terrible. So the reality is, is after I became a Christian... Man, that changed really fast. I was so excited, man. I got hope. I got life. I'm out of the mess I was in. And so as I started to live that way, I wanted to share with others. The very next day after I became a Christian, I tried to convert my girlfriend. That did not go over very well. Okay? Uh, And then it was a couple months later. I had the privilege of teaching and baptizing five of my friends from Oregon State University into Christ, woohoo! Calipuya River, baby, it was great on a Sunday morning. It was awesome, and then we broke bread together. Man, it was great. And then the next weekend, they told me they heard from their pastor that I was a cult leader. Great. We just read the Bible and Bible and Bible, you know. But you know what? I still was excited. And I'm. Can you tell I'm still excited today? Even though I'm old, even though I'm on the the kind of the, the over the hill, right? I'm still excited. In fact, I have to be honest with you. I'm getting more excited. Let me close with this. You want to know why? When things get darker and things are more hopeless, what do people do? They seek for hope. They seek for light. They seek for life. And who are we, brethren? We're the light of the world. We have the message of hope. We have the message of life. It's not our message. It's the message that Jesus gave to us. And so this is the best time to be alive as a Christian. It's the very best time. As we stop looking at the craziness and begin to look at the sweet people in our lives who are struggling and just love Autumn with the love of Christ, be excited to spend time with them and invest ourselves in them. You know what's going to happen? There'll be more people that have the joy of the Lord in them. Amen? All right, let's close in a word of prayer. Come back next week. We're looking at power. We're looking at purpose. And we're looking at the, the position that God gives us in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Father, this world offers an awful lot of cool, fun stuff but it's only temporary. And oftentimes, Father, that really cool and fun stuff brings great heartache and pain down the road. But pray, Father, that you would help us to understand that as we would embrace the truth of who your son Jesus Christ is and coming to know him and coming to believe him as we put our trust in him, Lord, the life that comes when we give ourselves fully in service to him as we serve ourselves the frustration will always come as we choose to serve him i love the scripture that says he who waters others waters himself as we lay our lives out to serve him the blessings come back to us and you design those blessings exactly as we need them help us father to be unashamed help us father to be eager and enthusiastic we ask this in your son's name jesus amen Alright, let's stand and get excited. What did Jesus say to you? He said to... Go! Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. Alright, let's go do it. Let's go do it.